Now, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Hope all of you are well and safe out there, and how are you, my friend? Hanging, man. Another remote broadcast. I'm out here in the beautiful city of Indianapolis, man, right across the street from Lucas Oil Stadium. Good stuff. And uh, when you told me you were going to be there, I just said, just tell Matt Ryan, hey, we miss you. Just yep. I, I already, I already reached out to him. I got my people talking to his people. You know, trying to, trying to get some insight on some fantasy situations. You know, all the important stuff. <laughs> Well, if you if anybody else who can pull it off, I know it's you. Yeah, I'll do what I can, man. So let's just jump. We're going to be talking college week with NFL right around the corner, fantasy. But let's start with college. A couple of great games, depending what side of the spectrum <laughs> you're on. It was a great week for some, a down week for some, and to my in my opinion, a down week for a particular conference. But we'll get across the road when we get there. But Chris, give me your thoughts on. Week one of college football. Yeah, man. First and foremost, it's like Slim Shady. I'm back. It's back. It's here. Just praise Korean Jesus, six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus, wearing the tuxedo T-shirt and his little gold manyard thing. It's back, dude. I'm hyped, man. Uh, this weekend had some good games um, for, for some teams. For others, not so many. And we'll start with the not so many. You know, uh, um, we'll start with the Pac-12. And Ladarius, yeah, I, I know you're a movie buff. So I'm going to ask you. I'm sure you've seen American History X, right? Uh, yes, Edward Norton. Great film. Yeah. Great, 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 great movie, man. Definitely a generational movie of our time. So pretty much what I saw happen to the Pac-12 made me think about that movie. Specifically the scene... With the curb stomping. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and then also the sexual assault that happened in the bathroom in the uh, in the prison. Uh, <laughs> man, it was ugly. It was ugly and it was bad. So there were a lot of teams. So the, 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 the Pac-12, and you know what? I give it to them. Credit is given or credit is due. The Pac-12 stepped out of their comfort zone of no defense and two-hand touch and cute uniforms and all their other hipster activities out there on the left coast. And they decided to try to come and play ball in the SEC in the most dominant college football conference. Let me say again, the most dominant college football conference in college football. So we'll start off with the Georgia Bulldogs, the the 2021 national champions against Oregon that has – 475 different uniform combinations with zero national titles. And see, the cool thing is, is that so their Oregon emblem, you know how they hold that zero? That's also how many national titles they have. It's just a giant O. Now, that cool Nike contract and the the, the cute uniforms and all of that, that's awesome. If this was a fashion show, if, if this is a runway in New York, Oregon would win every year. But unfortunately, this is football. And this is not fashion. So, Oregon, check yourself. Learn to play the game. Uh, so, watching that game, I watched it up until about, <sighs> I don't know, about halfway through the third quarter. I knew it was just, it was just downhill from there. It was just, it was just bad uh, all the way through. Uh, 
I mean, you look at Stetson Bennett. I mean, he put up 368 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, you know, rushing, they didn't do too wild on rushing. You know, Georgia definitely kept it an aerial attack game. Uh, you know, their leading rusher was Kendall Milton. He had uh, eight carries, 50 yards, but he did score a touchdown. So, you know, that does matter at the end of the day. Um, Georgia just – it was a curb stomp. I don't know if it was a curb stomping or if it was a prison scene. Either way, it wasn't pretty. It was fun to watch if you uh, were an SEC fan. And it was just what – honestly what I expected. Uh, I, I don't hold much regard for the Pac-12. I think I've made that point perfectly clear on more than one episode. Um I think they need to maybe stick to play themselves and uh, and then come back and try again. You know, another, uh, you know, Utah State, they stepped up to the plate against Alabama. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. That was a, you know, that was a, that was a little bit of a rough game. Um, you know, one that was actually fun to watch, and I really didn't get to catch a lot of it, was the Arkansas and Cincinnati game. Did you, uh, did you get a chance to catch any of that? I did. It was it was a very good game, especially especially the fourth the, the latter half of the fourth quarter was a very good game. It it was what what I will say is, is that, and I'll hand I'll hand the reins back to you. Was that given what Cincinnati lost, Desmond Ritter, Sauce Gardner in the draft, given that they come on the road to Fayetteville, come to the SEC, and to put up that type of game, it was it was it was a remarkable game. Especially, it got really exciting in that fourth quarter. But when I look at Arkansas, Arkansas could be one of those teams. When we we're talking later in the season, that could that could play spoiler. Oh, and, absolutely. And KJ KJ Jefferson was was pretty good. So it, it was a good game. I I caught I saw I I saw the first half watching another. I was trying to bounce around on my television here, and. But I definitely I tuned into the fourth quarter of that game. It was a great game. Yeah, no, that that definitely all the way around was. Um, and like you say, I mean, KJ Jefferson threw for two hundred twenty three yards, three touchdowns. Most importantly, zero interceptions. Remember that if you do not throw interceptions and you throw touchdowns, your chances of winning increase exponentially. Um, the Arkansas Razorbacks. This is not your daddy's Arkansas Razorbacks. This is not the Arkansas of the nineties. This is not the Arkansas of the early 2000s. This is Woo Pig Suey City out here. Uh, they have definitely got everything to gain and nothing to lose. They were already the laughing stock of the SEC. They were looked at in the same uh, eyes as a, as a Vanderbilt, as a Tennessee. That they're just like they're in the SEC. It's like it's like it's. I mean, I'm just I'm killing the movie references today. It's like in Star Wars when Anakin Skywalker in Episode Three, he's like, "You are on the council, but you are not a master." That that, that is Arkansas and those boys. You know, they 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 are in the SEC, but they are not the SEC. And I think that Arkansas stepping up to the plate the way that they did today, or excuse me, on Saturday, I think is definitely a a, a big home run hitter. And I think with them, with Cincinnati of all teams, I think that showed a lot just because of all the hype that Cincinnati has been getting, uh, you know, on the press as of late. Uh, you know, some other, uh, you know, decent games I want to touch on was the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. Uh, so if, if there was ever a situation where both teams could lose, if that's possible, this was the game. 
this was a game where like if if both teams could have walked out with an L, it would have been great. Unfortunately, those types of things don't happen. Uh, so you know what? Notre Dame, they they held it in the first half. And then I just I don't know what happened. They just forgot to play the second half, uh, so that that led Ohio, you know, that led Ohio State to, uh, you know, ended up to take and score and win. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at the rest of Ohio State's schedule, I mean, let <laughs> I me mean, uh, Toledo, Arkansas State, uh, Rutgers, Iowa, um, Northwestern, Indiana. Uh, so the, they, they do play, I, and I will, I will say, so they do play a current, as of today on the broadcast, a current ranked 19 Wisconsin, Wisconsin, again, is one of those teams that gets ranked every year that doesn't do anything, but they just get their participation trophy. Uh, and then after that, the next ranked team they play is Michigan, you know, for their season closer. Um, and you look at the rest of their schedule and this is what I talk about a strength of schedule, and Ohio State gets this pass every single year. And I know I'm going to get a lot of hate from Ohio State fans because they hate factual information, they hate statistics, they hate data, and they hate the truth. Then the truth and the stats of all those things align up that they are no better than a bowl of chronic at Snoop Dogg's house. You put them in a bowl game, they get smoked uh, time and time again. They don't play well against competition. Granted, I will give them their hats off. They did win against an eighth-ranked Notre Dame. But, again, Notre Dame is one of those teams that because they get a lot of TV time, they're just they're going to get these obscene rankings. And, and Notre Dame is the same way. How many times – I would even say in the past few years, Ladarius, that we have done this broadcast together, Notre Dame has been super, super high-ranked. They go into a situation in a New Year's Six or a playoff bowl game and they just get outright smoke checked. I mean, and, and unless if I might be missing uh, a, a year or something, I, has Notre Dame won a playoff game ever? To my, to my recollection, I, I'm not sure, but it, it's interesting, and I'll give the mic back to you. But what I will say about Notre, well, what, what I will say about that game, and I and I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to defend Ohio State, but this is what I think about strength of scheduling. I, I agree that it's important, but I think I mentioned this. I, I don't know if you were on the, the, the episode at the time, but I noted that teams like Ohio State, it reminds me of the BCS system, where the BCS system was essentially about you blowing teams out of the water. Yeah. Where, where strength of schedule meant absolutely it meant something, but it only it really mattered. It only mattered how much you beat them by. It didn't matter who the opponent was. And and I use and I'm not I might get hate from Miami fans for that, but Miami was was smoking teams in out of the Big East back in the 2000s, yeah, and that's what they, they were they were smoking Syracuse every year. Like I think they play like Duke. they were they were just smoking teams, and and the way I feel about Ohio State's strength of schedule is what I will say is this: if Ohio State, who I think got better, especially defensively. If they blow teams out of the water, Chris, it's going to make that Ohio State-Michigan game that much more, more – assuming that Ohio State does not have a trap game down their schedule. Ohio State could be undefeated. And depending – I don't know how Michigan season is going to be. It's going to be a different. But if they can win that game and then – 
we can have the conversation if a non-Power 5 school is undefeated. Let's just put it out there. It's, it's going to come down to strength of schedule. And the, the biggest argument, and I've always said this, is that I'm, I've noticed that a lot of non-Power 5 schools are willing to play Power 5 schools. It yeah, kind of feels – it, it, it kind of – yeah. I mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. But it kind of feels like Power 5 schools can sometimes be reluctant to play those non-Power 5 schools, especially on the road, because it feels like a trap. And it, even when Power 5 schools play other Power 5 schools, it's like, and we'll get to the game in a minute with Utah and Florida. We'll get that to that in a minute. But going back to their point about Ohio State, I just feel that Ohio State has benefited from having a great schedule and a, a schedule outside of Michigan that's not really tough. And I, but what I will say is that I don't blame Ohio. How can I phrase this? I, here, here's a great example. And, and, I've, and I've said this once and I'll say it again. I don't blame Ohio State itself for doing it. It's, it's, it's their athletic director. I'm pretty sure they've gotten offers to play other Power 5 schools. Oh, absolutely. And, they, and, and, and they've absolutely – so I'm pretty sure A.D. Gene Smith has gotten those offers. But the fact of the matter is, is, is that Ohio State – when Ohio State doesn't take on – like, I'll give you – look at Alabama. Alabama's going to play Texas coming up this weekend. Yeah. Does Alabama need to play Texas? No, they don't. But Nick Saban's the type of coach that wants competition. Yeah. And we can sit there and say, oh, week one, he can play Cupcake University. But guaranteed, throughout the season, they're going, you know, week two, week three, they're going to play somebody in the top 25, heck, even probably in the top 15. Because of the fact that he understands that he wants his players to have the best. And so with, if it comes to that conversation about, well, is Alabama really that good? Well, if they beat a, a top 10 or 15 team, we don't have to answer that question. Yeah, but, and, and the thing is, they do it every single year. If you look at, you know, you look at the strength of schedule, You on average, I would say at least six, minimum six, if not eight SEC teams are ranked in the top 25. So right now, if I uh, on a run of numbers uh, mathematical system here, we got eight teams ranked in the top 25. Mm-hmm. So we have a little under a third of of the top 25 in the SEC. Show me another conference that that has those type of numbers year in and year out. Yeah. You know. So you know, a lot of people, especially Ohio State fans, are oh, you know. Uh, Alabama this or that, you know, whatever. You you look at the average SEC schedule, even if you're a bottom barrel team like a Vanderbilt uh, an Arkansas, you're playing five to six ranked teams a season because there's so many ranked teams within the SEC compared, especially, and again, you know, hats off to Ohio State. They played a ranked opponent. They played a top 10 ranked opponent. Yeah. Not that Notre Dame deserves to be ranked top 10, but they were. They won, so hats on them. But the rest of their schedule, and then and it's like you said, then Kirk Herbstreit and and Lee Corso, and they're all oh, Ohio State. So and they get they get on this bandwagon. It's just it's just a dick riding bandwagon, and they make Ohio State like oh they played Toledo and it's such a tough adverse environment and they beat them seventy five to zero and then they go and play 
Northwestern. And it's like, oh, you know, it's in Chicago, so the wind blows the opposite way, and Ohio State somehow did it. And they blow these teams out of the water, and then you put them into a playoff game, and they choke. Or even better is there are situations where Ohio State has lost their conference title game but still somehow made it to the playoffs, even though they lost their conference title game, which absolutely floors me, mm-hmm. but to each their own. But, yeah, man, so like I said, hats off to him, uh, you know, for winning. I'll, I'll, I'll credit is given where credit is due. I'll give him that, um, you know, and, and I'll just and I'll beat up on him next week when they play, like, uh, University of Cupcakes, I think is what you said. I like that one. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, you know, another game that I wanted to talk about, and this one's going to uh, – this this one is, is going to be interesting. Is uh, the Florida State Seminoles and the LSU Tigers? Uh, so this was a game that you expected to not go the way that it did. If you were to say, "All right, LSU is playing FSU, Ladarius," well, how bad do you think LSU is going to win by? You would you would say pretty bad, probably. You know, FSU is in a rebuilding program. First year head coach, uh, you know, I'll just he, and he got left with a mess. You know, uh, when Jimbo left, Jimbo Fisher left that program in complete disarray. Uh, Willie Tagger, and I think that's with like five L's or six L's is how you spell Willie. Uh, he came and went like a fart in the wind, and you know, and here we are. I think it's Norvell is the uh, is the, is a coach now, and you have. A team that again that is all the gain, nothing to lose. Like the, these boys are out to prove something, and I definitely think the old Garnet and Gold came out strong against LSU of all teams. Which I don't think anybody. And I, you know, I was watching uh, some programming. Was it Sunday morning? And man, and they were just trashing Brian Kelly. And, and it's so funny because again, he's a, a Notre Dame guy, so I pretty much I automatically don't like him. Uh, and he's out there dancing with the players in their in their preseason. And I'm sure you saw those preseason videos when he's in like the little spinny dance room and he's dancing with the players. It, and it's them awful. Up. It, it, it's it's I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. <laughs> I know this is your time, and I apologize. No, no, you're good, man. But, you know, but, but, hold up these, these L's. You know, I'm like, this is so fitting that this dude got his ass handed to him at, at Notre Dame. Then he comes to the SEC and he gets handed an L by Florida State. That's like the ultimate insult to injury. It, it's amazing. And two points: that whole nonsense with the whole spinning. <laughs> he he looked like a very awkward dad trying to fit in with his kid. You know, to be more specific, an awkward stepdad. Like, hey, I'm going to be cool with the kids, bro. Th- that's yeah. how I knew. I'm like, that was the first L of the season, and they didn't even step on the field in Baton Rouge. Secondly, and I cannot stress this enough, Chris. You 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 seen the movie Street Fighter, correct? I have. Got it. Now, now you remember a certain actor in the movie called Jean Claude Van Damme? Uh, now, uh, now, Chris. Now, Chris, what what country? And this and this is not to knock people. I'm not. Here's the reality. I'm not a casting director. But why, in the guile, would you put this man, whose accent? I guess they didn't see Bloodsport to understand what his accent truly was. 
like, okay, well, we think he can pull it off. Who said that? I bet you that they're not working today. I'll tell you that much. They're not. This, no. It will. That reminded me of Brian Kelly trying oh. to pull off <laughs> that Southern accent. <laughs> I'm like, sir, I was born in the South. I, I've never heard anybody in my oh. life oh. talk like that. Do I know people talk like that? Yes, but they're not getting paid nine figures to sound like that. Be uh, yourself, dude. And, this, and, and then what's worse, Chris, is that at the press conference after the loss, I think it was the day after, a reporter showed up late. And and so Brian Kelly made – he didn't make like a super big deal, but he made a deal about it. So the reporter came back at him and said, well, if you'd won, I'd be here on time. And I'm like – See, all like, look. There's there's no recovering from that. You're dead. You're on the ground. Yeah, yeah. and it's like it, it's over. It's like it's like when they say finish him, going back to the street. When they say finish him, that was the finisher. Because what can you say other than like <laughs> Brian Kelly? I'm not saying should they. I'm not saying they should have blown FSU out of the water, Chris. But no, they. I, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, if you look at the amount of just look at FSU's season last year, I mean, they did make some personal changes and they did go in the right direction. But for like a rebuilding program to come out and play against a top tier program like LSU and just and 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 and, and again, you do all this hype and these stupid fucking videos and oh, dance. Oh my god. And fake Southern accents. It's like what was it? like Alec Baldwin's wife pretending to, to be Spanish. You remember that? Yeah, and I'm like, what are we doing here? I'm like, it's like it's, it's like this, Chris. It's like you're you're in a movie theater or you're somewhere in public, and you know what you're hearing is wrong. Yeah. And everybody is sitting there like, I want to say something. No, 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 no. Somebody has to stand up and say something because look, I always like Jean Conved Dam. As God, people don't want to talk about that, but I literally, when I watch that movie, if that's you're telling me there was no other role, you could have put Dolph Lundgren. If you're just gonna put Jean Claude Van Damme, you might was Dolph Lundgren too expensive, so you settle for Jean Claude Van Damme. I, I, I don't. You, you might as well just done that. That was a terrible <laughs> movie. I want to make sure I get my point across on that. Video game movies in the early 90s, they were all, like, I know most people hated, like, Mortal Kombat. To this day, I still love that Mortal Kombat movie. Christopher Walken is Raiden. Like, it's it just, that that movie yeah. was just, uh, like, it, it hit home for, I don't know why. To the, Like, it's on Netflix. I don't know if it is anymore, but it was. I know shit probably watched it, like, three or four times. It was terrible. Terrible, but so good at the same time. But Street yeah. Fighter was terrible. Um, do you remember the Super Mario Brothers movie? Oh my, Chris, Chris. <laughs> okay, I don't know how we got on this, but I'm glad yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell, folks, listen. That, that's now, how and Kelly was. He was Super Mario. He he looked like Ron Jeremy, the porn star, strung out. Yeah, stepdad dancing with his kids. And and Christ, it was bad. His that wife should have came on the minute he pulled that accent. His wife, somebody in that room knew it was wrong, Chris. 
hit hit the mic. That's like it's me like, sounding like I'm Japanese. Like I, I mean, just come on, dude. I'm not. I'm not Japanese. Like Brian Kelly, you're not Southern, bro. Like stop like, it. I believe. Like stop it. <laughs> what is this? Listen. I've seen the movie. I don't know if you've seen the movie. I believe. I think it's the Pelican Brief. I think it's set in New Orleans. I believe. Yeah. Imagine Brian Kelly cast in that movie trying to pull off the accent. Chris John Grisham would have slapped Brian Kelly right there on site. This. Yeah, I, I'm surprised like, Ogeron just didn't like come out of nowhere and just just hit him with a steel chair like full on WWE style. Yeah, RKO him because like it, with Ed Ogeron, I love the dude. Couldn't understand him. Now you're bringing a guy who who I understand, but is doing it the wrong way. Yeah. It's go ahead, Chris. Before, before, let me me my drink. Half off. Half off to FSU. They got the win. They got the dub. Uh, I I, I like seeing them improve. I want to see them become a a better program. Because then it's just that much sweeter when we go into the Doke in November and just outright steal their soul, Mortal Kombat style. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, moving on, last game we wanted to cover, of course, are the Rowdy Gators of Gainesville, the Florida Gators against Utah. Uh, you know what? That was that was a game that was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought Utah was a very overhyped and over uh, overspoken program. And at the end of the day, they, they put up a fight now. And you and I talked about this during the game. See, there's this thing that Florida has that Utah doesn't, and well, almost any state on that side of the country doesn't have. And you know what that is? Humidity? Humidity. You are correct. Now, that playing in it and growing up in it and dealing, you know, you become a you become the doctorish back man. You know, you, your your body just becomes acclimated to it, and Utah showed that they were not ready for that humidity. It, you know what it reminded me of is uh, uh uh I don't know if you watch Family Guy, but there's an episode of Family Guy where okay, all right. So you remember the episode where Peter, Brian, and Stewie and Chris and all of them they take like the spoonful of cod liver oil or whatever it was to see. Oh yeah, they're on the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Puking <laughs> that was the Utah sideline. Those boys were just <laughs> every which yeah, way. I, I think I'm all right. Yeah. And, and shout out to Gatorade. If you're not drinking Gatorade when it's humid, you will throw up just like those boys. So make sure you drink the nectar of the uh, of the Gator gods. Um, but you know, for the most part, I think that uh, again, Utah played a great game. I'm not going to bash them. Uh, you know, I was expecting to come on this program this week and just completely wreck them. But number one, they're uh, they're a good. They played hard. They played it. They gave it their all. I didn't like their quarterback too much. Uh, I, I felt like that uh, uh, that Cameron Rising had a little bit of a mouth on him until about the third quarter when he just started getting train wrecked by the defensive line. Uh, and I, th- I think he calmed down a little bit after that. But you know, overall, number one. Uh, the the atmosphere at the swamp. I mean, God, it was loud. It was soul shaking loud there. Uh, I think that played a huge factor in it. The heat, the humidity, the sound, the ambiance, and most importantly, I want to say Billy Napier. I th- I think that Billy Napier is resurrecting and, and turning the Gators into the 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 Phoenix out of the ashes. Now, are we going to go on and go win a national title? I 
I, I, of course, I want to say yes. I don't see that happening, mm -hmm. but anything is possible at, at this stage of the game. Uh, you know, we between scheduling and, and things like that, if the moons and the stars and all those things align, well, things can get very, very interesting. Um, but let's focus on the here and the now. Number one, Anthony Richardson looked like a much more grown up player and at the helm as as the quarterback for the Gators. Uh, he didn't have to worry about fighting for a position with a, a failing quarterback that he who shall not be named that's now with Arizona State. Um, I think that he was able to make intelligent decisions throughout the game, both passing, play calling, and running. He not only was an athletic player, but a cerebral player. Yeah. One of the failures that with Emory Jones had is when plays broke down, he would just throw the ball up in the air and just, well, that's how interceptions happen. Um, Anthony Richardson did not do that. Anthony Richardson, if the play wasn't there, he just took off on his feet and he made it his own. Uh, I mean, so first and foremost, I mean, passing yards, I mean, he threw for 168 yards, which isn't a ton, but most importantly, he did not throw any interceptions. Last season, uh, Emory Jones would throw 150 yards with like three interceptions, and then that's how we would lose a game. Most importantly, on top of that 168 yards of, uh, of, of passing, he had 106 yards for 11 carries. That's averaging 9.6 yards a carry. And also with three touchdowns, which I think is a huge step in the right direction. Um, also some notable running. Uh, Montreal Johnson came out 75 yards on, on 12 carries uh, for a touchdown. And then also uh, Trevor uh, NTN, little brother of Travis NTN, who plays on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He really came out and showed up. He did drop a couple balls, and I think that's something that can be fixed in, in practice. And I think that's something that uh, we will see going in in a forward direction most importantly though the the subject i want to touch on on this game more important than anything we did offensively is our defense um we have a new defensive coordinator of course uh on the departure of uh dan mullen of course uh, todd grantham left with him we were able to get a new defensive coordinator that was willing to change and adjust his style so one of the things that if you guys notice at halftime Gators came out in a different formation set. What they were doing wasn't working, so they changed it. That's not something that we've been accustomed to in the past couple of years. If they were getting thrown on, they would just keep getting thrown on. If they're getting ran on, they would just keep getting ran on. Now, granted, uh, you know when when you you're at this level of talent, you know uh, like Tavion Thomas from uh, you know from Utah. He had 115 yards with a rock, one touchdown. Cameron Rising had another 91 yards rushing. Um, I, I think a lot of it's, I also believe that quarterbacks that get a lot of rush yards, it's because of, it's not because of a play breakdown. It's because of it, it's just the way the world works. So if you think about, it, you have 11 people on defense, 11 people on offense, essentially 10 of those people are accounted for at all times, leaving the quarterback as that one variable. And you, whether you spy him or you man him or you press him, or you send a, an extra blitz in and that blitz passes him, that quarterback now has that open lane. And I think that's why the like Cameron Rising or Anthony Richardson or even Lamar Jackson, who we start talking about the NFL, or even some other pass greats like Michael Vick, that when you send that person after the quarterback and he can make past that, it is now you have more people on offense than you do on defense, and that becomes an unfair advantage to the quarterback that he can navigate the field. And if he knows what he's doing, he's going to be able to, to you know, to make, make some plays. However, I think that, uh, you know, again, I'm not saying that Florida is going to come out and be a national champion this year. 
But the difference between this game against Utah versus our final season game against Florida State or that abhorrent bowl appearance or the complete failure breakdowns against LSU and South Carolina and all the things that went terrible the second half of the season, I think that uh, Billy Napier had uh, a mission, and that's to restore – the 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 greatness in Gainesville and you know he wants to be the players friends but at the end of the day he's going to be their coach there's going to be discipline on the field there's going to be uh there's going to be an atmosphere of you're here because you're the best of the best so you're going to act like the best of the best at all times uh you know I was on a flight uh and I, I don't even know if I talked about it on the show or if I talked about it with you so I was on a flight a few weeks ago with a booster uh from the University of Florida I don't want to get into details just you know uh, out of you know out of respect um, so we're, we're sitting there talking on the plane and I was, I was wearing a gator shirt and, you know, we, we started going back and forth on it. Uh, and, you know, and he said that, you know, he's actually been on field in the practice facility and that the atmosphere of the player interaction, the player, the player to coach, just the entire atmosphere is different with Billy Napier there. The kids want to be there. The kids want to play. They want to go out. They want to, they want to give a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. And that's something that he said that on the last, tail end of Dan Mullen's tenure at Florida. Essentially that last season when Mullen refused to fire Grantham, um, continuously started Emory Jones over Anthony Richardson. It was just that cycle that really broke down. The players lost their morale. And I think if you lose morale of a situation as a leader, you're going to lose the situation. Hence why uh, University of Florida was where they were last year. And that Billy Napier has really changed that culture uh, within the University of Florida. So you know, hats off to him and what he's doing in that program. You know, we got a big game this weekend against Kentucky. Thankful, you know, we're playing in the swamp, so I think that's going to be a huge factor into it. Um, it's definitely going to be a very exciting game. I'm looking forward to it. Those are really the games that I wanted to cover college-wise. There are also some other great games, uh, but, you know, we're on time constraints, and, well, most of the teams I just don't like anyway, so we'll just ignore them. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I will say is before we transition on, I'll just be, I'll just be quick. Everything you said about the atmosphere was spot on because one of the things that I think was, was the problem last season was it just felt that the players gave up on Dan Mullen. It had nothing to do with the kids weren't talented. It had nothing to do with ability because I don't care if you're leading a football team or if you're leading a group of, uh, if you're a team leader in your job, if no matter how talented they are, no matter how great they are, if you cannot lead those group of people, then you're not a leader. And leadership, I tell people this, we, I, I talked about Nick Saban earlier. What makes Nick Saban a great coach we can talk about all oh, your yeah, whole thing with Jimbo, the whole beef. And, yeah. But the problem, the thing is with Nick Saban is that it's discipline and it's structure. I'm, And if you have those things, you're going to be successful. What happened with Dan Mullen and Chris, I've said this once and I'll say this again. Dan Mullen's downfall was the press conference when he was talked, when he was asked about recruiting. Oof, yeah. And when he basically didn't give two blanks about recruiting, I said to myself after I watched it, he's done. Not only 
you are not only are you division one head coach, take that out of the equation. Chris, you're the head coach of arguably a top 10, 15 school in all of college football. You never heard Nick Saban step up to the podium ever say that. You never heard Ryan Day at Ohio State ever say that. Even Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Great coaches will always be recruiting 24-7. That's part of your job. It shouldn't have to be written in your job to know what your job is. I have a job. You have a job. They tell us what our job is. But there are things that we do beyond what they tell us to do. They shouldn't have to tell us to do it because we know it's a part of our job. I don't, you don't step. The thing with Dan Mullen, he lost that locker room, not only after that press conference, but you can see on the field. It's not that we lost, Chris, it's how we lost those games. That That's the way. And at the end of the day, and but I will say this before we talk about the NFL, what Billy Napier, he's bringing a culture change to, to Gainesville. Because Dan Mullen, yes, is he a great offensive mind? Sure. But we have to get out of the mindset, Chris, is that there's a difference between being a head coach and being a leader. It's this, it's two different words. But Nick Saban is not only a great head coach, but he's a great leader. Head coaches can come and go. Great leaders stay at their job for a while. Yeah. You could be a great head coach, uh, all-time class example. I, I, I love Greg Popovich in the NBA for the Spurs. What made Greg Popovich so great was that he was a great leader. And, with, and that leadership, it trickled down to the Spurs, and they won five NBA titles. And Tim Duncan, easily the most, the most non-flashiest superstar of the last probably 25, 30 years. Because he, because he bought into Greg Popovich. The same way players buy into Nick Saban when they're at Alabama. Well, we didn't have that at Florida and Dan Mullen. Am I saying Billy Napier is going to be the next D Spurrier? I don't know. It's just game one. But what I will say is what we saw in game one, if that's what we're going to get all season, if you're a Gator fan, you, you have to be excited because it's a culture change. And Anthony Richardson, if you're Dan Mullen, that's why you're sitting at ABC. That's why. You're telling me that Anthony Richardson was not better than Emory Jones. And even in the games Anthony Richardson played in last year, he showed spurts of being great. I think when they played South Florida, Anthony Richardson had some insane numbers. Oh, absolutely. And you're Dan Mullen, and you're seeing that Emory Jones is absolutely cheeks. And you're like, and you still go like, oh, I got to go with Emory Jones. I still got to stick with, you know, Todd Grantham. That's why you got fired. Loyalty is great. As much as loyalty can be an asset, it can also be a liability. Yeah, he turned it into a serious liability uh, with the program. And especially with this season, if you look at, uh, you know, our schedule, uh, you know, so next week we got Kentucky at home. In a couple weeks, we have Tennessee on the road. Both are ranked opponents. Uh, Of course, you have the uh, nation's largest cocktail party on October 29th uh, with the Florida-Georgia game, which is going to be ranked. And then the week after that, we immediately go to uh, to College Station, go play Texas A and M at A and M. Uh, so I mean, we have a very very opportune schedule that the last uh, you know five games of the season could be some of the most crucial games uh, of this, where something could happen. Um, you know, where you could have you know something maybe we upset a Texas A and M or Georgia. Uh, 
you know, and then we wrap up the season with South Carolina, Vandy, and Florida State. Um, I, I'm going to be curious. When, when, when it comes mid-October, I want to circle back to this. I want to see where we're at. And like I said, even if we're – even if we're not going to go in and go play for the SEC title or anything like that, um, it, again, it's just a culture change that I think is going to be, if we can't do it this year, there's going to be a lot of talent that's going to want to come play for Florida now. And I think that's going to be the keys to success for the future is that players wanting to come, not wanting to stay away afraid that if Dan Mullen doesn't like them, they're not going to start them. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of transitioning from – we're sticking to football, but we're going to go to the professional level here from Dan Mullen to actual legitimate head coaches. NFL, NFL week one kicks off Thursday. It's the Buffalo Bills, and the Los Angeles Rams, two great quarterbacks. And I did a preview video for the podcast out on the TikTok Adler's and on TikTok. At TikTok Adler's underscore Brown as well as my Twitter at letters underscore Brown as well to check out that preview. But all that being said, Chris, give me some of your thoughts on some games that you're looking out for in the NFL opening season coming up on starting on Thursday. Um, you know, one of the games that actually has me intrigued is probably one of the most unimportant games of the season, I think, where people really don't care about either team. And that's the Cleveland Browns and the Carolina Panthers. Um, I think that this is, uh, I, I think the girls call it a hot girl summer. And that's when your boyfriend breaks up with you and you go get hot and, and go get another boyfriend. Uh, I, I, I <laughs> Three words I thought would never get on this show was hot girl summer. So I got to cross that off. Well, but, we, we, <laughs> right, um, writing, cutting, printing. I, I think that I think this is Baker Mayfield's hot girl summer. I think that he, with the talent that the Carolina Panthers have, I mean, let's let's really face it: the Carolina Panthers arguably have one of the best running backs in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy. And please, Jesus, have him stay healthy. I have him in so many fantasy leagues still. I refuse to get rid of him. Don't fuck me on this. Uh, you know. He has DJ Moore on one side and then Robbie Anderson on the other. Robbie Anderson had a rough season last year. I think part of that was just because of the carousel of quarterbacks that Carolina was having issues with. Um, but I, I think that's one game that I'm going to be very, very interested into uh, into watching. It's a one o'clock spot. Uh, they're playing in Carolina. So that should be a, an intriguing one to get into. Um, another one season opener is the pack is the uh, Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, that one's interesting because of you have a Devontae Adams less Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers on a fat contract, and then you have this new and improved Minnesota Vikings that they went through their own hot girl summer. That's twice I've been able to use that now. That is that is banging. Uh, you know, you've got two teams that are have always been good one i think better than the other being green bay but i think this is like minnesota's like really chance to come out and shine and i think if if they want to start the season out and you really want to put the exclamation point right out of the gate this is this is your opportunity you can walk into a season opener play green bay and win uh i i think that's going to speak some some serious volume for you 
Uh, another one is, like I said, the one you already covered is the Rams and uh, and the Bills. I think that's just going to be a hell of a game to watch. I'm I'm very excited for that, uh, and I th- I think that's just going to be an, an overall good time. Uh, you know, the other one, you know, maybe the Raiders and Chargers, just because with Devontae Adams getting back with Derek Carr and uh, and and riding out, I, you know, that could be a very potential good game because the Chargers are a good team. The the Las Vegas Raiders, I think, were just maybe that small piece out. Maybe that small piece now being Devontae Adams. Uh, the rest of them, I think, are are just going to be kind of blah games. You know, Jaguars and Commanders, Patriots and Dolphins, Eagles and Lions, uh, Steelers and Bengals, and then of course my my Jets going just going to get absolutely annihilated by the Ravens. Uh, you know, but like I said, I think most importantly, then the Monday night game is another like homecoming in this. So there's two of these in one week where you have a quarterback leaving an organization to turn around and play them week one. So the second one is, is Russell Wilson leading the Denver Broncos into Seattle, uh, his former team. Now this is a game that I'm very intrigued to watch. Most importantly is I, I like Russell Wilson as a player. I know you're very high on him, Ladarius, and we've spoken many great accolades about him. I think that, I think Denver is going to be a serious team this year. Denver has had a great defense and just, they didn't have it at quarterback. And that's where they, that that was the piece that they were missing. Mm-hmm. They had good receivers. They had good running backs. They, you know, they had Sutton, they had uh, uh, Judy, they had all these good players, but like just didn't have a quarterback to put the, put the ball in their hand. Now that Russell Wilson's there, you have an MVP winning Super Bowl winning quarterback that can take that team to the next level, and I think he will. Um, that's another, you know, those are the games that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Um, I know you had a few you wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, to, to your point, you mentioned uh, you mentioned a couple of good ones there, but there there is there's one I do want to talk about specifically. That's that's very interesting to me, and that's that's the Buccaneers, and that's that's the Buccaneers versus uh, Dallas. No room Cowboys, it's our year. And I'm looking for two things from each one from each team. First for Tampa Bay, I'm looking to see Tom Brady. You know, once again, because remember they played Dallas to kick off uh last season in the opener, but it was in Raymond James, and Tom Brady had himself a great game. Now he goes to Jerry's world, where I just feel with Dallas, the matchup <laughs> I'm looking for is Dallas's offensive line versus that Tampa Bay front seven. It's going to be interesting to see because right out of the gate, you're Mike McCarthy. You got this makeshift offensive line. Tyron Smith is going to be out a couple of weeks. Probably maybe won't get him back till maybe December at the earliest. I want to see that defense. I want, I'm curious to see that offensive line, how can it hold up and sustain itself? versus a very good Tampa Bay defense who now has Todd Bowles as their head coach. So I'm mean, interested to see in that. And, and another game, and, and, and you mentioned the game, but we all know about Bills and Rams because I feel the Bills and Rams, and I said this in the video, this could be a possible Super Bowl preview. It really could be. Because when you look at the state of the NFC, I, 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 I always tell people, how many teams can legitimately win the Super Bowl at the NFC? Well, you look at the Rams, 
that you know you, the reigning you know as Paul Heyman says they're the reigning and defending champion. And you kind of and then you kind of got to find out well you still have Tampa Bay there, as long as Tom Brady is still in the league he's still in the conversation. And Green Bay, possibly Minnesota, but when I look at this matchup. And I'm enamored. You and I love quarterbacks. But I love quarterbacks. I love this matchup because this is going to come down to Chris defense. And the Bills had the number one. They were number one in total defense in the regular season last year. And the Rams weren't no slouch. And they added an all pro in Bobby Wagner from the Seattle Seahawks. So you lose Von Miller and you gain Bobby Wagner. So you lose one Super Bowl winning linebacker and get another Super Bowl. That's, you know, it's kind of like the equivalent of when Peyton Manning went down for the Colts. Ironically, you're in the same city. They got some guy named Andrew Luck. Another, another friend. It's kind of like, well, you lead, you get, you lose a great one and get a great one. You don't yeah. see how, have that much in the NFL. So those, those are the matchups. But what I'm also looking for is, and this is, I know it's just week one, so there's no, you no need to, you know, panic and rush i'm looking for teams who were absolutely cheeks last year i'm looking at jacksonville i'm looking at team i'm looking at jacksonville specifically because jacksonville could be that team i like trevor lawrence i really do i like him and doug peterson i really do I'm, they're they're not going to win the AFC South, so spoiler there. But I'm looking for bad teams who were bad last year. How do you come out of the gate this week? How, first, no dress, you know, no dress rehearsal. It's the real thing. How are you going to come out and play? Because when I look at teams like Jacksonville, and I look at the team like even your Jets, they're going to have Joe Flacco starting quarterback because uh, Zach Wilson is probably not going to be available till Week Four. I just want to see how these bad teams play because like I say, Jacksonville went out and did a lot on offense, got Christian Kirk. You know, you might, you get it. You got James Robinson. It's all about health in the backfield for, for Jacksonville. So curious to see those matchups, but more importantly, as we transition, speaking of things that are important to this show, you know, this is not my time anymore. I'm not saying I'm leaving the show. Calm down people. Calm down. I haven't signed a contract yet, or yeah. did I? You guys don't know, but it's it's Chris's time to shine. It's Chris's corner. We're going to be talking, you know, like the great Mariah Carey, sweet, sweet fantasy baby. I have now. Listen, he throws in the the movies. I throw in the music. That's how we make this work. So. So here's Chris, Stardom Sidham, the first Stardom Sidham of 2022. Chris, take it away. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. Now you got me thinking of Mariah Carey and her, her big old rack, though. Ugh. Well, folks, I, I, I never said that was the intention, but listen, we'll be yeah. right back. No. <laughs> good, good for Nick Cannon and Eminem and probably the other 100,000 musicians that ran for good on them. All right, man. So it is. It's that time. It's that beautiful, sweet time of the world when all is right and football is in full swing. And baseball is getting ready to head to playoff mode. And now fantasy football has 
blessed us with its grace. So, like always, I'm going to hit you with your uh, your stardom, cinnamon, your power positions. Um, just kind of kind of chugging through real quick. We'll start at quarterbacks, work our way down. So your must starts. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens. He's playing the New York Jets. Um, again, he's playing the New York Jets. Uh, another very strong one is Jalen Hurts from the Philadelphia Eagles going to Detroit. Again, that's going to be just an absolute show. Um, I put Josh Allen on this, on this list. L.A. has a great defense. A, it's Josh Allen. B, it's going to be a high-scoring game, I think, on both sides. Another great one is going to be Tom Brady with Tampa Bay going against Dallas. Dallas does have some ball hawks on that uh, on that defense, but it's also Tom Brady, so expect big things to happen. Uh, and then I think Russell Wilson uh, playing against his former compadres in Seattle. I think the Legion of Boom is now the Legion of Nothing. Uh, so I think Russell Wilson is going to have a good game. And then, uh, and then of course, Joe Burrow playing in Pittsburgh. That's that's essentially a gimme. Some of your stronger starts that you should really consider looking into. Uh, Kirk Cousins from the Minnesota Vikings against Green Bay Packers. Green Bay does have a good pass defense, but for some reason, Kirk Cousins puts up a lot of numbers when he plays in Minnesota against Green Bay. It's just it's one of those things that's going to happen. Uh, another very strong starter is going to be Matt Ryan from the Indianapolis Colts against the Houston Texans. I think that the Colts are going to go to an immediate air raid offense. Um, let's face it, Houston's defense is not there. Um, I think that they're going to put a lot of points up on the board up front and then just throw the rock to Jonathan Taylor on the back end of the game and just kind of let him rack up the uh, rack up the score a little bit. Another very strong starter is going to be Jameis Winston from the New Orleans Saints against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, I think, are going to – they're still in rebuild mode. Um, I don't think that they're, he's going to see a lot of pressure, and I think that New Orleans is going to want to show out this new-look aggressive passing game uh, of the New Orleans Saints of today. Some of your DFS bargains, if you're doing DraftKings or FanDuel or anything like that. So your budget buyers, uh, Trevor Lawrence from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, what Ladarius talked about, you're you're going to have a struggling Washington defense that's without Chase Young this week. So that does take a lot of pressure off Trevor. Uh, and he also has a season, court, uh, season wide receiver like Marvin Jones Jr. He has Travis Etienne in the backfield uh, and then a slew of other targets he's going to be able to hit. Uh, some of your streamer specials that you should be able to get for incredibly cheap. Uh, would be Jared Goff from the Detroit Lions. Uh, the the reason why I think that this is going to be a solid one is that Jalen Hurts is going to put up a lot of points, a lot of yards, which means that you're going to have to uh, do the same thing on the Detroit side of the ball. So that's going to be a make or break. I think you could stream him if you're in a situation. If not, then don't worry about it. Uh, some of your weaker starters, I think you should sit. Uh, Justin Fields from Chicago just because it's Justin Fields. Uh, Daniel Jones, uh, Carson Wentz. Um, I think that uh, Tua Tagovailoa is. I don't, I don't feel confident in him. I, I know I've been quite critical of Miami and as of late, but I think opening the season against Bill Belichick and opening the season against New England Patriots defense. Um, I don't care how diverse that the the Dolphins have made their offense. I mean, granted, Tyreek Hill essentially you can just throw it up in the air, have him run it down and catch it. You can only do that so many times before they just drop safeties too far back that that'll you know pick it up. Um, I think that Derek Carr with the Raiders. I think even though that you have his old school buddy Devontae Adams, I still don't find him being the strongest start going against the Chargers defense. Chargers defense they upgraded their pass defense a lot, uh, including former Raiders edge rusher Khalil Mack. I think we all know that's a very reputable name in households. Uh, 
so watch out for him. Uh, you got some other ones that that are kind of here and there. You know, some of my questionable ones. The the only one I had literally a question mark next to during this was Matthew Stafford. Uh, I think that Stafford is more than capable, but I'm wondering how the uh, elbow situation is on him, and I'm wondering if they're going to turn him loose right out of the gate, and then he's also going to be facing his old teammate, Von Miller. That's, so we all, we all know how that works. Uh, moving forward into running backs, of course, your no-brainers for Jonathan Taylor's, for Derek Henry's, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey's. Um, you know, those guys, I really shouldn't have to name it. If I do need to name it for you, then you should probably just not not play and not listen to this part. Uh, some of your stronger starters are going to be A.J. Dillon from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he's essentially a plug-and-play uh, in the way that Aaron Jones – is at this point, given how strong the uh, complementary all-around usage is. And also, Minnesota ha- Minnesota has a good pass defense. Their run defense is kind of mediocre. So I think that uh, A.J. Dillon should definitely have some some options there. Uh, Miles Sanders from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think I, he's not going to put up a lot right out game-wide. He's going to give you a lot of points first half. I think that they're just going to plug him in run the score up and halftime, maybe third quarter, late third quarter, he's going to get pulled and benched. Um, So I think that, uh, you know, he's going to get you points, but I don't think it's going to be a a metric ton. Uh, Another strong start is going to be Melvin Gordon from uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, Number one, Seattle's run defense is non-existent. And you're going to have Gordon get a lot of touches at first, which is going to open up for probably one of, uh, Russell Wilson's most notorious plays of play action. You get that run game going, that opens a play action, and that's going to open up the deep ball. Or they're going to start getting crazy and start blitzing Russell Wilson, and that's going to leave Melvin Gordon unguarded, and he's going to be able just to, to just run run wild. Um, if you uh, you need somebody for the defense, so naturally the Baltimore Ravens have J.K. Dobbins. His knee is still giving him issues. I think that. Um, you're going to have a Mike Davis that's going to be a plug-and-play against the New York Jets. I think at first they're going to keep the ball on the ground a lot just to kind of – it's a week one, work all the kinks out, and they're just going to kind of do their thing. Uh, another one is CEH or Clyde Edwards-Helene from the Kansas City Chiefs uh, at Arizona. Um, I think that CEH is still in line for the most touches and should be busy helping out as the receivers start pushing out uh, later on going towards your DFS targets and bargains. Uh, Damian Pierce, so this is someone that we have talked to. Um, This is someone that also I want to have a side conversation on. Um, So Damian Pierce, you're going to actually be able to get him for pretty cheap, both on DraftKings and FanDuel. You're going to be able to get him for under $6,000 in both leagues. Uh, He's a red-hot rookie that he's a number one uh, running back, or, yeah, running back for the Houston Texans. And he's going to be cheap, so I would definitely take advantage of this and the production against the Colts that he should have. Uh, another one is Chase Edmonds from Miami. You're going to be able to get him, same thing, under $6,000 on both DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, you know, Miami definitely made some some bigger offseason additions, but I think to, he's going to have a – He's going to have definitely a very unique role with Mike McDaniel's uh, offensive attack scheme. But circling back to Damian Pierce real quick. So this is a guy, so I've already done all my drafts and all my leagues. Um, This is a guy that has surprisingly went early. Uh, I'm rounds 
out of the, the four leagues that I'm in, he bounced between uh, rounds four, five, and six, which is incredibly early for a rookie running back. Um, if you guys are not familiar with Damian Pierce, he is the power back who came from the University of Florida. Um, he was very underutilized at UF up until like the last three or four games to the point where he was just carrying people into the end zone on top of him. He's big, he's strong, he's fast, and most importantly, he's agile, and he has very good field vision. If by for some weird situation that you're in a league, uh, maybe like a 10-person league or maybe one of those like eight-person work leagues that uh, you don't have a lot, you know, that really you're going to have a lot of people uh, sitting on the waiver wire. If you have the ability to get him, get him, put him on your bench. I think he's going to do more harm than or more good than harm. Um, he could be trade bait later in the season if he really explodes. Or if you get yourself into a situation where maybe your RB1 or RB2 go down, he is an immediate plug and play. Uh, moving on to some of the weaker starters for uh, running backs, Cam Akers from the LA Rams going against Buffalo. Uh, the injury mystery, it, it, it is concerning. I don't know if it's a good idea to have him do kick returns and this and that and running. Um, I just, I don't feel confident in him in this game. Brees Hall, um, you know, number one, um, being a rookie in the NFL, that's got to be a pretty scary experience. To be a rookie in the NFL and then week one you play the Ravens run defense, um, good luck, Godspeed. I think that Brees Hall is going to have an increased workload um, because of the situation with Michael Carter. Uh, and I also would not play Michael Carter if you have him. You're also going to have a seasoned veteran quarterback in Joe Flacco who did lead the Ravens to a Super Bowl way back when. Um, I think that the Jets are going to fall behind quick. They're going to fall behind early. And it's just going to be a snowball effect rolling downhill. Um, I would not start Brees Hall. Uh, Kareem Hunt from the Browns going to Carolina. Uh, the Panthers did have – the one thing we can say about the Panthers last season that actually was good as their run defense. So I would not start Kareem Hunt. Um, also, this type of game script, it's going to be more of a Nick Chubb show. So I don't see a lot of uh, – I don't see a lot of Kareem Hunt usage based on uh, Carolina's defensive schemes. Uh, another one is Cordell Patterson uh, from the Atlanta Falcons going against uh, the New Orleans Saints. Um, Cordell, has, he's, he's been facing some issues all preseason, um, so I think that's going to affect his workload going in here. And then also this, this New Orleans isn't a matchup you want to go nose-to-nose with. Um, and then, of course, Tony Pollard uh, from the Dallas Cowboys going, going against Tampa Bay. Um Tampa Bay's front seven is scary. It, they're just, they're scary. They're big. Um, those are people you don't want to be dabbling with. Uh, your must starts moving on to wide receivers now. Of course, your usual suspects, your Cooper Cups, your Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs. Yeah, again, if I got to name these guys, you definitely should not be doing this. Some of your stronger starters, um, I think that uh, Hunter Renfro uh, from the Los Angeles, uh, or from, excuse me, from the Las Vegas Raiders going against the, uh, uh, the Chargers, I think with uh, J.C. Jackson, he's got some type of ankle issue. Uh, the Chargers are going to have some weaker coverage spots. Also, too, I think with the Raiders, I think that all eyes, in the, in the words of Tupac, all eyes on me. Uh, I, I got you being on a music reference there, man. Uh, I think that all the eyes are going to be on Devontae Adams, and I think that's where Hunter Renfro can slide through, get himself in there. Um Another very strong one is Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen has always had this thing with Green Bay. He is just able to get open and get a lot of yards. If, if, if you guys get bored, look at games that Adam Thielen has played against Green Bay 
and look at his numbers and then compare them to his numbers at home, which are even better than they are in Green Bay. He's going to be a very strong star, and he is another surefire contact. Him and Kirk Cousins have a good relationship. They've played together for a number of years. I think that that's going to be another a great one. Uh, and then Devontae Smith uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles going against the Detroit Lions. I think that, you know, A.J. Brown's definitely going to have a go-off game with Jalen Hurts, but also with uh, Devontae Smith sitting there. Smith is going to run those smaller routes, those lighter routes. In the event that uh, Jalen Hurts starts catching a blitz or starts feeling that pressure, he'll be able to d- dump it to Smith. If you're in a PPR league, that's touches, that's yards, and touches and yards is a win. Uh, and I, I don't care who you ask. Uh, another very strong start is going to be Jerry Judy from the uh, Denver Broncos going against Seattle. Again, um, I think that with Seattle secondary, is going to be so busy paying attention to uh, to Russell Wilson. They're also going to be getting burned up by Cortland Sutton. That I think that Jerry Judy should have a very, very decent line. I think at least he should be able to go six for 80 with a touchdown. Uh, ab- above all, it's at least six for six for 80 touchdown. Uh, some of your DFS. Oh, one more strong starter. Uh, it was the newest addition to the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Christian Kirk. I think that with Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is essentially like Andy from Toy Story. He has so many new toys to play with. Christian Kirk's going to be one of them. We all know that the Washington Commanders, they're, they have a limited rush. They got players out. And, well, again, it's a commander, so we're really not expecting a lot. So expect them to have a huge game. Uh, some of your DFS targets for, uh, for good buys. Uh, Alan Lazard from Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay is still sorting out kind of like the Devontae, Devontae Adams list situation. I think that Alan Lazard is going to definitely step into that WR1 position. You'll be able to buy him for uh, 6500 and under on FanDuel and DraftKings, so you definitely should be able to get him at a decent value. Another one is Juju Smith-Schuster from the Kansas City Chiefs uh, going to Arizona. Uh, same thing, 65 and under on DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, I think that he has the right mojo. I think with the declining performance of Big Ben and everyone else in the Pittsburgh organization, Juju was on track just to have monster numbers pre-COVID and pre-retirement of Big Ben. So I think that he's going to be able to get back on track and be that big, impactful player. Also, with the departure of uh, Tyreek Hill, I think that that opens the door for Juju. It's essentially going to be Juju running the heavy routes, Travis Kelsey running the the, the cross and the, and the smaller lean routes, and you're going to see a lot of numbers on him. Another one is Brandon Ayuk uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. You should be able to get him for $5,600 and under on DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, he had a good offseason. He stayed healthy. He, he definitely – got some big time work in with Trey Lance and uh well Chicago's defense just isn't good. Let's face that. Uh some of your weaker starters for wideouts is going to be uh Elijah Moore. Pretty much if you have any player on the Jets, just don't start them this week. It's not going to be pretty. <laughs> just tight ends, running backs, wideouts, whatever you got. If they're if they wear black and green and they're from the Gotham City, do yourself a favor and don't do it. Uh, another one that is – this is the first time I've ever put him on a weak start. Uh, this is going to be Chris Godwin from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, at Dallas. Um, he did – he's got the green light to play. I think that he's going to be on a very regulated snap count. I don't think that he's going to get a lot of Cs. He's recovering from that ACL, even with offseason and preseason and all that time off. An ACL injury for a young wideout is going to be it, – it's just bad news bears at, at the end of the day. It is just bad news bears. 
Um, I think he's going to see very limited snaps. If you have him, just leave him on the bench. I, I'm guilty as charged. I have him in, in one of my leagues, and he will be sitting on my bench uh, for the first few weeks until we get that figured out. Uh, another one is uh, Tyler Lockett from Seattle uh, playing Denver. Uh, number one, Seattle's starting quarterback is Geno Smith. As a Jets fan, I say I'm sorry to uh, the city of Seattle. And if anything, I think DK Metcalf will get the look. I don't see Tyler Lockett really doing anything much until they get a better quarterback. So pretty much from week one until Geno Smith is gone, Tyler Lockett will be on my week start list and my do not start list. Um, another one is Drake London from the Atlanta Falcons. I don't, I just, I don't feel confident in him yet. It looks like he's been battling a little bit of injury issues. So I don't, I just, I don't, I don't see him doing well. Um, I would, I would hold off on him. Um, you know, again, any giants going against Tennessee, if you have a giants player, just don't do it. Just do yourself a favor. Don't do it. Um, if you have any Cardinals players playing Kansas city after Hollywood, you're essentially just rolling the dice with AJ green, Rondell Moore and anybody else. Don't start him. Um, I just don't do it. Be, be the opposite of Nike. Don't do it. Um, last but not least, your tight ends. So naturally, your your strong starters, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts. Um, some of your stronger starters based on situational. Uh, so David Njoku, um, I think that because of the situation the Browns are in, they're going to be playing a lot of close ball. Njoku's big. He's wide. He's, he's fast for a tight end. He's got good hands. He's going to be able to get you those PPR points. Um, he should at least find the end zone once this game. I wouldn't see why not. Uh, another good one is Irv Smith Jr. from the Minnesota Vikings playing Green Bay. The Packers, we've already talked about their defensive struggles against the Vikings. Um, one of the issues, and I even talked about this last season and the season before, one of the issues that Green Bay just has an ongoing thing with is covering tight ends. They just don't cover tight ends well, so you can definitely see – uh, a, a huge, huge uptick on him. The only Arizona Cardinals player that I'll recommend playing uh, is Zach Ertz if he's healthy. He has a calf issue. I don't know how well it's going to do. Um, but with D-Hop, uh, you know, out and about, and you've got Hollywood in there, he's essentially the only other target that's going to be worthwhile. Um, your DFS targets uh, for FanDuel and DraftKings, is Pat Fryermuth from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I think that he's going to have uh, a heck of a game. You can get him for under $5,300. Uh, so I definitely would, if you need a tight end, you're in a situation, definitely take a look at him. Some of your weaker starters, uh, Dawson Knox with the Buffalo Bills. I don't see him doing a lot. Number one, the, uh, the linebacker core for the Rams is phenomenal. Those are the guys that are usually covering tight ends. So that definitely spells for trouble. And, you know, you also have, you know, Stefan Diggs and her team. So that, that, that prevents you from getting a lot of looks. Um, Hunter Henry from the Patriots. Uh, the, the Johnny Smith factor is definitely real. And it, it, it just, it makes, it makes Hunter Henry hard to trust. Um, like Jasicki uh, on the opposite side of that game from the Dolphins playing against the Patriots. Um, I think with all of the new moving parts, I think Jasicki is going to be more of a blocking tight end now and not so much as a pass catcher. And then uh, Tyler Higby from the Rams, same situation. 
Um, the the Bills have an amazing coverage scheme against tight ends. Um, they I would say they cover them just as hard and just as tight as they do as backs. Uh, you know, those are the uh, the stardom symptoms for your fantasy, you know, core positions. Um, good luck this week. It is week one, so go out there, have fun. If you got questions, hit us up on the uh on the on the social media pages, Ladarius will give you those and uh have have at it, boys. Well, like you say, week one, getting the gear started. And like I say, if you do have any questions to send in, you can go to you can go to my social media, go to my Twitter and Twitter at letters underscore Brown and also letters underscore Brown on TikTok and on Instagram. It's letters double underscore Brown. And you can go to our Facebook page, the sports of the world, Facebook page, drop your questions there. And we'll be sharing. We'll be sharing our picks all year long. And last year, I believe I'm not going to say who won or lost cough, cough, but I, it was close last year. It, it, it was close. Not for me. <laughs> it was it, it was like this. I don't know if you're like if you're horse racing fans, but you know around the turn he was super close, and then think of the think of the home stretch as weeks, maybe fourteen down to eighteen. That's when you start to see separation, and and legitimately, ironically, we agreed on a lot more teams than I thought we did. To be honest, it just came to a matter of. How how can I phrase it? It just boiled down to how we just saw the game, pure and simple. But but nonetheless, before let's say before we go, we're going to give you our first pick of the twenty twenty two season. Let's hold on. Let's, let's, who last? Who ended up winning last season for the for the picks? You, I believe it was you. But we're not going to get into that. I just wanted to hear that. That's all. Carry on. <laughs> We're doing great, folks, until he said that. But anyway, <laughs> it's it's like that, you know, like you you've seen the uh, the new Top Gun when yeah. uh, when when Maverick and Iceman, he's in Iceman's office. Iceman's like practically on his deathbed. He's like, who's a better fighter pilot? And Maverick's like, we're having a good moment. Just don't ruin it. And I just I ruined it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was the guy on the I was Iceman, and all he had to say was, "Hey, we're both winners." And then. But no, this guy, yeah. Hurricane Hurricane Chris has to come rolling through. Yeah, yeah. But so let's give our first pick of the 2022 season. The Buffalo Bills travel to SoFi to play the defending champions for the Rams. Who you got? Man, you know, just because I don't want the mafia to get after me, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Bills mafia, boy. I, I think that uh, I think that Josh Allen is is going to come out and he's going to he's going to put it out there. I think that it's going to be follow suit with uh, with Stephon Diggs. I think that they're going to play hard on defense. I think that they're going to edge out uh, the Rams on this one. Unfortunately, we're not going to start off on a divide. I, I I'm also going with Buffalo, and, and and surprisingly, it's very rare under Sean McVay that. The Rams are home underdog, and that's what they are. But Buff- Buffalo is my Super Bowl pick, so I think they come out of the gates with the win. Expect Josh Allen to have a great game. It's go- it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun one for sure, and a fun season. And-, and hopefully, if I can't win in fantasy, which 
You did last year. Yeah, mixed bag. That's, that's all I'm gonna. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. That's the PG way of saying, yeah. You guys can fill in the blanks there. But if you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's redeeming myself and trying to trying to win back the win loss total here this season. We're gonna be picking games all all year long. You'll get our first picks. I'll put them out there Sunday night, Monday, Sunday, Monday, sweet Jesus, Sunday morning, <laughs> Saturday, and at the very latest Sunday morning to get the rest of our picks. And you can follow that. Also, I'll be posted on the social media as well. Well, if there's nothing left, which I think it shouldn't be, except the whole Iceman Maverick moment, which which happened. Such a good movie, man. I, I, I have literally watched that movie. I would say no shit. I'd say probably eight to nine times I've watched it. You know, I think before we go, I think I just want to say this. And that's just the career of Tom Cruise. It's like him when you do when you kind of I'm I wouldn't even call Top Gun a remake per se. Some people say oh, it's a remake. No, no, it's not. Because the thing with what makes Tom Cruise great, you look at his span of you know, look at his movies. Like he was great at like for the record, this man does his own stunts. Yeah. And like if you watch Mission Impossible, I don't care which one. And I can't recall which one it was where he was outside of the building. Of the class building, yeah, yeah, Ghost Protocol. Ghost, yeah, I couldn't remember which one, and and then he did an interview and talked about, yeah, that was me, and he and he was a joke. He was telling the, he, I think it was like the prop guy on set, something that he wouldn't do, and the prop guy said, "Well, you can't do that." So he said, "Well, I fired that prop guy," and the other prop guy said, "You can do it." So the other knows the stunt coordinator. Excuse me, he fired the stunt coordinator, so he couldn't do it, and hired the one so he could do it. Because he's Tom Cruise, so just 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 a shout out to Tom Cruise. Shout out to Tom Cruise, Mariah Carey. Yeah, uh, buddy. Yeah, buddy. I'm a J Lo person, but we're not, we're not gonna. Yeah, yeah. Give give it some time. She'll now she has the uh, the the engagement ring gauntlet. So all she's got to do is snap her fingers. Yeah, I mean, if she can snap those fingers, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. When will I'll, I'll save that joke for the next episode. Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but folks, that's all the time we have. Until you hear us again, I'm Ladarius. I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the sports and the world podcast. See you.